Hello, and welcome back to the Pipeline Superheroes podcast. Today, we have Rusty Von Waldberg, founder of Spokes Group, revenue consultant, OKR implementer, and general Swiss Army knife of SaaS growth. Rusty, how are you? Very well. Thanks for having me today, Grant. Of course. Excited to have you on. So um, for those who aren't super familiar, like this audience is a lot of SaaS founders and operators. Um what is SaaS revenue consulting and why do startups necessarily need it? Fantastic question. Uh, well, I got into this because I'm an engineer by training. I got out of uh, MIT and started building product for Spec Consulting Group. Uh, Spec is now famous for building iPhone cases. You all might have one on your, on your phone yourselves. And I really like that experience of building things. I quickly discovered that the same ingredients that go into building a great product go into building a great company, great discovery, some testing, and then operationalizing it, really nailing your process to make things more efficient and effective. And I've, over the course of my career, brought that same um, product development approach to building businesses. Uh, and I've recently launched the Spokes Consulting Group to leverage what I learned as a strategy consultant, uh, what I learned growing Salesforce from one product and 200 reps to many products and thousands of reps, what I learned from being the first salesperson at Square um, and helping KT grow from $70 million to over $200 million in ARR. Wow. Yeah, really impressive background there. Um, I featured Salesforce uh, in a blog earlier this year as a company that necessarily like in the context of Salesforce famously really talented, lean, efficient sales team. And I think their secret sauce necessarily was they were really early in a certain sort of storytelling of SaaS, of CRMs, which is, you know, they have the cloud. It's like, you know, the death of software and all of that. So that's like, you know, definitely more of like the marketing and the brand marketing of it all. But what do you think Salesforce, like fairly early on, like you said, from 200 AEs to thousands, what do they nail? Like what was like really their superpower there? I think really what I took with me for the rest of my career is process. Uh, because what they did is they turned the sales process into an assembly line. You have marketing at the top of the funnel, um, SDRs inbound as um, lead flow and outbound lead flow that gets to AEs. But because they were approaching it as a process, uh, they really honed in on all the handoffs. What happens when an inbound lead comes in from marketing? How are we going to track it? What's our response time? Uh, how do we improve on that response time and our conversion rates? How do, as a SDR qualifies an inbound or outbound lead, what is the handoff criteria to the AE? Because that's where all the friction points come in. Uh, and that's where the efficiency of the machine uh, really gets improvement. If, if you're asking the right questions uh, about who is our decision maker, what business pain do they face? You can learn a lot about your personas and who you should target next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's like a lot of that stuff might seem, you know, fairly straightforward to the like experienced SaaS salesperson. But, it, you know, it, it bears repeating that like Salesforce came up with all of these internal processes. And you can tell that whenever you work with a Salesforce alumni at another company. 
Um, so moving forward, just because, you know, first salesperson is square, that's obviously a really interesting experience there. Um, what, what do you think the aha moment was for square and really getting their sales up and running? I think square has an amazing product like growth motion. One of the things that they were struggling to do is to get into bigger merchants. Uh, and, um, what we learned as we started um, putting a person on the phone is that bigger merchants were very interested in workflow because Square is amazing. You plug a reader into your phone and you can start taking credit cards instantaneously. It's, uh, it's magic for businesses. But when you have employees, when you have inventory, it's this cost of switching and making a mistake gets bigger. So as a business owner, um, I'm very willing to go in and learn about a product, but I actually want to help somebody to help me make that decision that's an expert in the product as well as the decision-making process that can ask me meaningful questions about my business and make sure that I'm getting the right product. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Um, how helpful was Jack Dorsey in those initial sales calls? He's amazing. I, yeah. I really love talking to Jack because he's a regular guy. Uh, but when you got on get into the topic of commerce, he can go really deep and has a very strong perspective. I think it's amazing how a lot of the, the companies and a lot of the impact he's had on the world today come back to that concept of commerce. Uh, Twitter started as uh, the transactions between taxi drivers and how does a message matter of where you are, what you're doing. And I think Square um, ties back to that same seed of I, a meaningful conversation as a monetary or a commitment tied to it. And that's really what commerce is, is making commitments to each other. And making commitments that will uh, make people want to work with each other again. You know, that, that classic economic principle. Um, yeah. Is it true as an aside, is it true that Jack Dorsey used to walk from sunset to, we were talking about San Francisco before this, uh, apparently he used to walk from sunset to the offices of square or, or, and or Twitter uh, in the financial district. Did you ever see him making that trek or is that sort of an urban legend? Uh, I see him out on the streets is where I see him most often today. Yeah. So yeah. there's no doubt in my mind that he used to make that walk. It's and yeah. it's an incredible place to live. So it'd be a shame to miss it. Yeah, true, true. I mean, and it's like 40 minutes each way. That's doable, you know, especially for folks that are driving in for the peninsula. It's about the same. Um, but anyway, enough San Francisco talk. Uh, tell us about the spokes group, how like how you came mm -hmm. up with the idea there and, and what the what kind of work you guys are doing. So what I came, uh, where I came from is uh, as a series A leader of sales, as somebody starting that out, uh, what I found is there's a huge gap in what I knew when I was a first um, sales leader into a company and what I needed to get done as those, as a founder, as a early go-to-market um, leader, I'm on the hook to hit a number, uh, build a team as well as build the operational machine in order to scale the company and scale the go-to-market. That's a lot for one person to do. Uh, so what the spokes group does is actually 
create a structure and, and a roadmap, very much like a product development roadmap. As a seed stage company, what you're really focused on is gaining traction. So what we, you need to do is really focus on a data-driven uh, approach to defining your market, uh, learning about your personas and building pipeline. As you move into series A, you're hiring more specialists. That VP of sales comes on board. You're hiring your AEs and your SDRs. So process becomes a lot more important. Designing your comp plan has a big effect on uh, how you're perceived internally and externally and making sure that you have processes in place to pay people, to collect revenue on time. And then as the company grows, the customer base becomes more important. Account planning becomes more important. And you're really thinking about how do I um, invest in my customers and expand my footprint, especially on a seed and grow and um, sort of motion. Mm -hmm. no, they, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, what kind of like, uh, I find when you ever, whenever you have an agency or a specialized consulting service, there is an element of folks not knowing what they're doing is hurting their business. So you mentioned some foundational, you know, uh, compensation packages or how you define your market. Um, what are like the big pain points that uh, necessitate somebody to go to spokes group and how do you get in front of those people? Yeah. A couple of the projects I've been working on recently are pricing and value selling, uh, especially in this economy with the headwinds blowing against all sellers I want to talk about value selling a little bit because what we do tend to do is as technologists is we get excited about the product that we're selling. We want to show how it works, how it impacts the business. And that is the usage story of our products. There's a really important adjacent story of the business case uh, because as you dive in there, it's, numbers. It's comparing what's happening today to what happens in the future. And as humans, we're wired to compare numbers to each other. So it's this really interesting conversation that starts structuring discovery and quantifying the value that you could get from a product early on, uh, customizing a, a, a value selling tool for your customer mid-funnel, because that starts structuring what does it mean to have a successful trial or a proof of concept? And then customizing the response there so that when it comes time to negotiate, we can talk numbers. I know that I'm going to deliver more than a million dollars of value for you. Your team has given me this data. Uh, so we can talk about what's a fair, where do you want to start from and what's a fair price for the value that you're going to receive rather than um, sort of having to tap dance that story at the last moment when the CFO gets interested. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think a large part of capturing value, and this is something we work through with B2B SaaS companies on the Bloom Growth side, is making sure you necessarily have the right tech stack and the right tech stack that fits for you, You know, making sure that you have systems that grow alongside you. What do you think is the most effective, especially as it relates to some of the specific metrics that you mentioned, like the value of a product and the projection of return from certain you know, strategies? How do you think about that kind of stuff? So I really think about there's um, a couple different dimensions of this time savings. So workflow automation, 
new capabilities that allow you to, to change your business uh, and transform maybe the risk that your business or the engagement with your customers. So there's a business risk category. Uh, and then there's the growth trajectory. Can I help you grow faster with this product? And each one of those we can quantify early on in order to really get to the atomic unit of value that I can provide uh, and that you want to buy. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, when do you think, and like this is like sort of an evergreen question, I know it's hard to answer without context, but when do you think a B2B SaaS company needs to hire their first account executive? I get this question a lot from founders, technical or otherwise, who are both trying to learn a lot about their product, to learn about their positioning and really see how it's resonating in the market. But at the same time, there is a time allocation question. So maybe it's not like a necessarily a like time, like 18 months or a certain amount of funding, but when do you think it makes sense to invest in specialized folks like that? I think that's an amazingly fun question to answer uh, because uh, in the early days when you're doing founder-led sales, uh, the thing that most people discount is the amount of work that a, a sales cadence requires. Because if I call you today, Grant, um, unlikely that you're gonna pick up and buy on the first call. I'm gonna to need to call you again in two to three days with a different message. I'm gonna send you an uh, email follow-up. And the data says that I haven't extracted all the uh, potential from our conversation until I've made, I think, eight or nine attempts at this. If I'm managing five or nine attempts per contact over the course of a month, I can handle about 20 new contacts a day. In order to grow my company, I need to expand that pretty rapidly. Uh, so it makes sense as I'm doing founder-led sales to find some SDRs that are SDRs and enjoy that outbound motion, but also have a product marketer's mindset because we're gonna be learning a lot early on. Once we get to a repeatable pattern and scale, sales start to grow where we have, as a founder, I'm doing more closing calls per day than cold outreach, that's the time to bring in some professionals that are well-versed at helping people get to a decision. And I think that's what salespeople are great at is structuring that decision-making process. Uh, so as soon as you have a repeatable process there, it's time to bring in those specialists. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I think that founder-led sales is something that while like you shift from a different, um, while you never stop doing it, you definitely shift to another phase of running qualification calls to maybe running deeper calls or just closing or you know maintaining those relationships. Um, what do you think is the number one thing that founders get wrong in founder-led sales? If you will allow me to use a, a clickbaity intro. Yeah, uh, I think the number one thing is skipping steps in the product development process. And what I mean by that, I'll reference pragmatic marketing. Hopefully your audience has come across that before, but it's a very structured approach to how do you bring a product from an idea all the way through a business plan and uh, a, a scalable business. And one of the things that I see gaps in at founder-led sales is you're moving so quickly and you're wrestling to get traction 
that you skip doing pricing diligence, that you skip doing uh, some of the mechanical parts of how are we going to get from A to B to C and really make this into a, a viable and scalable business. It's find your first 20 customers and then reverse engineer the, the product. So mm-hmm. uh, by having a roadmap uh, about both the product development as well as something that the spokes group can deliver around your go-to-market, uh, you end up getting to a scalable business much faster by having that plan in place. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, this has been really informative. Curious, um, you know, what you would like to promote and who, what kind of people you're looking for to find uh, with the spokes group. I'm looking for uh, people that are in that series A range that mm-hmm. are facing the challenge of hitting their number as well as growing the machine. That's where I think spokes group can make a big difference in making that machine more effective and focusing the effort and hitting the number. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you, Rusty. This is great. Um, we'll include a link to spokes group and Rusty in the show notes, um, but reach out if you have any questions and thank you again for your time. Cheers. Thanks, Grant.